This SoFi podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. Back to you is up next, but first take a listen to this other fine Opi show. You f***ed up the script. You f***ed up the script. I didn't f*** up my part of the script. You expected that I did my job, and that was your fatal flaw, Sam. Okay, look, it's creating quality content either way, you know. Oh, are we keeping this? Oh, this is all staying in. Are we keeping this? Listen to Ant Friends on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is back to you with Howard Sudbury, <laughs> Howard Sudbury, and Steve Baskerville. <laughs> I see. I see what kind of frame of mind you're in. That's good. That's good to start something like this with laughter. It is. God knows. We really need some humor and, and joy in our lives. And uh, one thing I want to do from the start is to say that this program, this one, is dedicated to all those folks who can't be with their loved ones and friends and relatives and give them a hug or a kiss because I know exactly how you feel. And we just have to stay strong until that time comes when we can, uh, you know, narrow the social distance and and be a part of each other's lives. So I don't want to start off as the Maudlin brothers, but <laughs> I just want—I just felt the need to say that, and I'm glad to hear you laughing uh, as we start this program. I start out giggling, and then you turn it uh, into some philosophical thing, and you sound so <laughs> smart. Uh, no, no, so because they're like, "Wow, the other man's giggling during a uh, pandemic," and. And the the other man, he was so, oh, he said, such a inspirational message. But, yes. So now we know which one is a simple one <laughs> and which one is, is totally together. Yeah. Um, but, you know, these things are, um, are important, I think, for me and for you and for those who are listening because it gives us a break from the monotony of it all. Because you were talking about how monotonous it can be and that's what you're most tired of right yeah and and really what you said i mean i agree with we all in our lives right now have somebody across the country that we can't go see um i'm not in a point where i want to hop on an airplane um that's the last thing i want to do and and yeah we we all you know feel people's pain and having said that you're right to dedicate it to people like that because I'm lucky. You're lucky. You know, our situation is okay. Uh, if if monotonous is the worst it gets for me, then that's okay. But yeah, it's, you know, it's I, just I, I hear it's, you. it's troublesome when you have to fight a, a, an invisible enemy because you can't know when you are sick and when you aren't and who is around you, what what kind of shape they're in. And then I just saw every day it seems like there's an incident involving an airplane where Folks don't want to wear a mask. They, they, you have to take them off the plane, kicking and screaming. I think American Airlines just the other day had an incident. You know, Delta tries to be the leading force from what I hear, where they at least try to keep that middle seat unoccupied. So does Southwest. But there are issues that, that definitely turn me off to flying. And right now, I'm, I'm still leery of driving just because the places where I want to go are at great distance 
And the other, and the other thing is that I don't have a license. <laughs> <laughs> that might deter you uh, from the start. It I might. should explain that. I should explain that. Yeah, my, you should. My license well, expired in May. Uh, let me let you continue on that story. But first of all, um, you can it's pick it up. It's time already. Uh, we'll be right back. No. Um, <laughs> you know, flying, when things were normal, uh, wasn't ideal. Anything could break out in the air at any point. I mean, you know, you'd fly to Vegas or you know, someplace like that, and people start having some cocktails. And I've had stuff break out on planes to where, you know, people will finally tell, you know, the the, the person to, you know, sit down and shut up. And, you know, where it's I have never, tense. I, never witnessed anything like that. Haven't you? And, and I have not, I've heard stories and I've heard of, of the agonizing trip because of chaos on the flight. I have not come really close to that. There was one flight. I loved it. There was a, I, I might have been going to Vegas or coming back from Vegas, and a couple guys got on at the beginning, just wild, yeah. you know, like yeah. half smashed, half smashed, and yelling. And there was an older flight attendant, a woman who, who, and the reason why I'm mentioning her age is because she was very experienced at her job, and she nipped it in the bud at the start. I like when they it shifted from. Uh, calling her old to experience. That's very good. That's politically yeah, because, correct. Well, yeah. I mean, heck, I'm old. I hope people call <laughs> me experienced. experienced. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but these guys get on and they start their rowdy stuff and she quietly got in their faces and said, I'm not having it. And if you think you can't deal with this flight and be cool, then get off right now. And it was almost like a school teacher. With yeah. And I thought, I thought that would escalate it, but it didn't. And those guys sat, sat down and cooperated, and they didn't do any clowning. Now, see, if she had let them go and they continued to clown, I think they would have thought, well, you know, this is going to be easy to do what we want to do on here. But this woman said, uh-uh, not on my flight. I'm not having it. Yeah, well, you know, one thing that most people learned a long time ago is you cannot clown or mess around in the air. Because if the captain or co-captain has to walk out and tell you to calm down, and and speaking of calm down, i got to get back to that in a minute, if I can remember. But um, if they need to tell you, you know, cool it, uh, it's bad because, you know, when you do something in the air, it's a felony. So, I mean, when you land, there'll be people waiting there to come out and drag you off in handcuffs. Yeah. It, it's not pretty. <laughs> now I've never seen that in the air, well, but I've one of them, about one it. of them, one of them was singing "Wind Me Up," and so you knew <laughs> that was trouble when somebody comes on yeah. board singing something like that. Well, I have uh, to guess that you were on your way to Vegas because usually on the way home you're a little more subdued. You're broke and you're hungover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I the other thing that sort of keeps me melancholy about the conditions the way they are. I get on YouTube and I surf some crazy stuff. And one of the things I, I, I just get mesmerized, mesmerized with are these walking tours that you might find from people who just walk the streets of certain places to give you a sense of what it's like. Yeah. I just saw a guy who was a wandering around Rome and he was wandering near the Colosseum mm -hmm. and there's nobody out there and he still had to buy a ticket to go in and see it. But it was so eerie that 
all of these destinations where tourists love to go are, are virtually empty now. If you see scenes of people walking the streets of Vegas, you'll see folks out there on the strip, but it looks nothing like the usual scene. And it just almost looks barren. And, yeah. and it's, it's just a weird thing to look at. All of these famous downtown locations across the world from what I've seen. I mean, although there are places that are recovering to the point where it's almost normal for them, but most of the places where I would want to go still look weird when I see the shape they're in right now. Yeah, I was just talking to my son about that last night, and and one place that you and I have always loved to go to, we've been we've been talking about Vegas here is is, is Vegas. I like the energy of it. I like I like the crowds, and I generally don't like crowds, and I like to shoot some craps. <laughs> yeah, I, but see, it, it, it just makes it seem like all we do is think about gambling and drinking, and they, drinking, and, <laughs> and and singing "Wind Me Up." I mean, like that's <laughs> like that's that that's what the most important parts of life are right now. They but, are, or, or, or have is. always been. Wind me up. Now, can I tell you two things that really uh, made me laugh? within the last five or six days, and I needed it. They're just nonsense, but I I enjoyed it, and they've stuck with me just because they're so funny. And, let me, and they're both sports-related, incidentally. Uh, you ready to hear them? Yes, um, at least one and of them. Just, 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 no, both of them. They're short, but it's really... <laughs> but but it, it's what makes me laugh. And, and the first one has to do with our dear and beloved Dr. Fauci. And Dr. Fauci, you know, last week threw out the first pitch at the Nationals game. Yes. And it was wonderful to see him strut across the, the field and take the mound. And what happened, as you know, is he took the ball and and in about two feet from him, the ball came down hard and hit the ground nowhere near where the catcher was. Now, that was embarrassingly funny enough. But it was a line that I read later on that made me laugh even more. Somebody said, well, it's true. Dr. Fauci has flattened the curve. (laughs) 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 I I just uh, I just got a kick out of that. That's not asking. It doesn't take much to make me laugh. But that was was just funny to me. A very clever line. Now, the other the other has to do with this guy named Lou Williams, who plays for the Los Angeles Clippers, basketball player. Lou Williams, over the weekend, had permission to leave that bubble that they have set up where they try to protect all these players in the NBA. So for personal reasons, family matters, he had to go to Atlanta. He goes to Atlanta to take care of his business, family-oriented, and then decides to go to a strip club. All right. Uh-huh. So he goes to the strip club, and the reason he gives is because I like their wings. <laughs> they've got they've got great chicken wings. Now that, in enough, right there is funny. It is. But but what really made me laugh was what Kendrick Perkins, who used to play in the NBA, said when he heard about this. He said, "Yeah, he probably likes their wings." But I bet he went there for the legs and thighs. 
Oh, well, oh, what a great line. It is. Well, I was thinking when you said that was that it was going to be something along the lines of where the strippers may have been wearing their masks. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I don't know whether he would care much about that. But that legs and thighs yeah. really, really cracked me up. Uh, but, you know, we love sports. And who knows if that's really going to happen. I have my doubts about all those professional sports unfortunately getting through a successful season you got all those baseball players now in the marlins who you know have come down with positive results from the test and now that has uh, canceled their two games as far as we are know now as we talk and then the yankees and the phillies who the marlins had just played still haven't played those scheduled games, and it's all snowballing now. I wonder what's going to happen. Well, And you think it's going to happen again, I would think, because they're not even in a bubble, baseball teams. Yeah. I'm skeptical that they'll make it because, I mean, think about it from a competitive standpoint. Uh, what if the Marlins, what if they have to, you know, quarantine for a couple weeks? You're, you know, 20 players out of your 30-man roster is – you know, gone, you know, what do you do? Bring up a bunch of guys from the minor leagues to play your games. Um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's, now, the most, I mean, we want to see it, but it's probably a bad idea. The most bizarre thing that I've seen with baseball so far is what they've decided to do. Many of these teams with the games that are televised, they put these cardboard cutouts of season ticket holders behind home plate and a, along the baselines. And I think that's kind of cool because it does give you a sense of it being. But the most ridiculous thing that I've seen is that or experienced is that the loudspeaker at the game will play, everybody clap your hands. <laughs> Who are they talking to? Who are they talking to? I mean, are those cutouts supposed to be clapping their hands? Are it's you at a, home? Are you supposed to clap your hands at it's home? It's a show. It's a show. And, you know, I'm used to watching it already. And by the time anybody listens, that, that, you know what's cool about doing a podcast is that these live on whatever website they live on, radiomisfits.com, opishows.com, um, forever, as long as those websites exist. And it'd be interesting to listen to these in a few years to mark a place in time when we're out of this. But as yeah. we speak right now, as I watch these games, I'm used to it already, and I don't care about seeing 38,000 people at Wrigley Field when the Cubs play. Um, I still watch the game, and it's, and it's fine. But I do miss it subliminally, I guess. I, I like seeing and hearing crowd reaction, but I think it's got to be really bizarre for the players mm -hmm. to hear everybody clap your hands, and they look around, and there's nobody there. Yeah. And organ playing, and mm -hmm. I think some of these places have even piped in music. They have, and some some of the stadiums have uh, cheering that's sort of uh, pumped in from. Now, the the most weird thing I've seen one game I saw where they've taken what looks like the animation from a video game and superimposed that into the stands, as if those animated characters are applauding and booing 
and that really looks strange to me. Yeah. Well, you know, with baseball, I'm, I'm glad to see something live on television. I've been watching a lot of golf uh, because I play, and I've always watched, always watched golf. But, um, you know, I'm watching baseball I, like I always watched it. I weighed in and out of a game for like an inning or an inning and a half. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it, it bores me. Now, people don't know that I'm, we're looking at each other now yes. on FaceTime, right? Yeah. And you made me think of something that uh, <laughs> is an interesting phenomenon because of all of this. Now, you're sitting over there in an in office area yeah. with a scraggly-looking beard yeah. and uh, kind of a funky look. Now, you may not think that it's a funky look, oh, but I think to me it is. Yeah, I got a funky look going. Now, there are some people that you probably know that the mask has done wonders for them. <laughs> now, if you know somebody is a little snaggle tooth, yeah, I like I like snaggle tooth. Yeah, you know, got a couple of missing. You got a scraggly beard. They have maybe you have some pimples that haven't gone away or won't go away. Right, cover your but, shit up. But they may have nice eyes and a full head of hair. Yeah, they put a mask on. Instant improvement. They're beautiful. Yes. I wonder how many people might adopt the mask and just mask and just keep it. So what were you trying to say to me? (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I'm trying to say you got a mask nearby. (laughs) I do. Now, right (laughs) now, I've shaved most of my face. I've kept, you know, like half a mustache here and a little goatee. When you just took your hand up to your face, you improved yourself instantly. <laughs> <laughs> the way that you hid, you hid everything under your nose, and it looked great. Yes. There are probably some people Take who... Take it easy. <laughs> who, calm who are, down. That Remember I said a, that earlier? What, calm down? And I said I was going to get back to it. Oh, I interrupted you about the Vegas story, and you were going to tell... You were starting into something else and i said you know remember that thought you don't remember it do you no was that what a couple weeks ago what are you talking about it was it was 15 minutes ago remember that thought (laughs) i said i would get back to calm down um a friend of ours that lives in hawaii on maui and um what a setup he's in Maui. yeah like this yeah now you now i hope you're not going to finish that sentence with how distressed he is well he had a hurricane he had a hurricane about uh, bearing down on him recently so yes he was yes. a little worried about that and it just grazed them so i sent him a few texts like what's what's going on you okay um how's the hurricane because it still came through as a tropical storm with a lot of winds and a lot of rain and he texted back calm down <laughs> or it might have been calm the f down you know john and, as he um, as he was as he was drinking a few hurricanes. Yes, and I, I read the I I was reminded of the quote: "Never in the history of calm down has anyone calmed down by being told to calm down." And I I started thinking, what is so horrible about that saying or those those words to somebody, especially the, if you and I say it to to women, <laughs> because. Well, because it instantly says you don't take 
as seriously what this crisis is right now. No, Whatever I'm going through. That, that's not, don't tell me what to if calm down. Don't tell me to calm down. Don't tell me how to don't feel. Don't tell me to calm down. Don't tell me how and, to feel. Yeah, it's like telling somebody, take it easy. Right, which is one of your favorite sayings. I love that saying, take it easy. <laughs> take it easy. Relax. Relax is another one that will irritate people. Yes, but what if it's what if it's said from a place of concern to where, you know, where you really, you know, want them, not that they're going to calm down, but <laughs> you're trying to get them to for their own good. No, it's I mean, for your what? good. It's for your no, good. Well, your of course good. it is. Yeah, it's not <laughs> for their good. own good. Yeah, <laughs> calm down for my sake. That's, That's what, what you're saying. You know who we should call about this one of these weeks, and we'll have this discussion. Is once upon a time when back to you started. Do you remember Alyssa Ali? Who? Right. Oh, of course I do. I do. Yeah, I do. She was on this show. It wasn't her yes. show, but she was on this show, and. Um, I love Alyssa. I hope she's she great. listens once in a while. No, not a cheese. She didn't <laughs> listen when she was on it. You've never listened. Relax, will you? My Relax. wife has never listened. Uh, well, I can't speak for why she's never listened. Um, she I, probably I, knows I, better. I, I she knows know, better than to listen. I don't know if I, she, I think she said one time, I hear enough of you. <laughs> listening to the podcast great, that's a great response that's true but anyway now, this i would like to ask Alyssa because we used to joke around about that and Alyssa is tough as nails and not a big fan of the calm down thing no and i would think that generally women i don't you know here i go i don't what do i know but that's something that you know women have fought for a long time to have their voices heard and uh, for you to trivialize whatever it is that they're saying or upset about. But what if wrong. I'm not? What if I'm not trivializing it? Yes, you are. No, why? What By if saying, I, what calm if I'm down, saying it are. from a place of concern? You are already no. You're already saying that what's on your mind and the things you are saying aren't making me feel good. So calm down. Calm down is for your sake, not for her sake. Well, this is a, a male I rest versus, my case, Your Honor. Okay, this is a male versus female thing. But why, why do men? Why do I? Or I, I can't speak for all men. Why do not I not get upset when somebody tells me to calm down? Because you're talking about stupid stuff all the time <laughs> that that you already know is not important. And I need to calm down. And I realize that. <laughs> right. And that's a true incident of calm down for your sake. Before you say something else stupid, well, we'll have Alyssa on, and we'll we'll talk about that a little a little further. Um, hang on for a second, Steve. Where are this we? is great. I can't find great this thing. Wait, theater oh, of the mind wait, now. Wait, 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 wait. My mouse is frozen. Oh, the battery's the battery's low on my mouse. That's this is bad. all important information that is a part of this presentation. Um, keeping it real. I cannot get this thing to click. Well, that's a good thing. Wait. Oh, boy, I'm lost now. Anyway. Yeah, you were lost before this thing started. I was. I, yeah, I, I started been, out giggling, thinking, and then you got philosophical. Uh, keep I've been thinking, thinking about and then we'll take a break. Weird, Go ahead. Weird, weird, um, weird parts of life that I've been recollecting. And one of the th thoughts that crossed my mind, and this is going to sound terrible, but. Mm -hmm. 
you know, we can always remember where we were when really famous people died. Now, are there some famous people that are so off the chart that you remembered when they died? I'm not talking about heads of state or internationally known folks necessarily, but um, are there some famous people that you remember where you were when they died that weren't John Lennon or a president or uh, a famous statesman? Are there some other folks that you remember where you were when they died? You mean somebody that was famous that you don't know? That was famous, but not ultra famous. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there are people that are famous that uh, may not have been megastars that, you know, have an impact on your life in some way. So when they die, yeah. This I can't come up with an example, but go ahead. Well, this is going to sound odd. But I was looking at some old television, maybe it was an old 40s movie, and Ethel Merman was in it. Uh-huh. And I immediately remembered where I was when she died. Really? Wow. Yes. <laughs> isn't that That is bizarre. Isn't that a strange one? Yeah. But she died in New York not long after I got there to start working for CBS. And the reason why I know where I was is because she died in the same uh, uh, hotel that I was staying in. And they took her out of the hotel during in the back elevator where we were in that Surrey hotel. Really? Yeah. Well, which I would an, remember which that. Which is an odd thing. Yeah. I, uh, I'll give you one. This is yeah. an odd one. You remember Hubert Humphrey? Yes. He ran for president against who? Oh, Nixon? Yeah, I think, was it? I think it was Nixon. Yeah. Um, I was working... If you remember in the dark ages of broadcasting, and this was in the like late 70s, but you remember wire machines? Yeah, and it would come across the wire. Yeah, it would come across it, it, the wire, and, yeah, yeah. and it was for people that are younger that may be listening. You know, it was a constant flow of, it was like a typewriter, but it was automated, and it was spitting out this copy, right? It sounds like 1910. It does. <laughs> yeah. It does. Yeah, but you're right. You're right. No, but this was the late 70s. 70s? Late yeah. 70s. Yeah. I was working in Cedar Rapids, Iowa at a TV station, and I was going back to get the ball scores off this wire and in in bold letters. And this was like United Press International, UPI, which was a major news service. And when it came, and bells would ring when there was a bulletin. Sure. Ding, 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 ding to alert yes. people in the newsroom. And something came across with, you know, like four bells. And in all caps, it said, Humphrey is dead. Mm. And details to follow. And I I just remember that because I was working and I saw that bulletin come across the wire. And you don't see that many of them. You know, did, now, that become, what, did that become immediate broadcast news in the newsroom? 
I don't remember. I was doing sports, but I mean, <laughs> it, it, yeah, I, I think it was a, it was a big story that night, but I mean, you know, now when you flash forward to 2020, things have changed so much because everything because becomes news because of the immediacy of social media. And then this thing called breaking news on cable, you know, they'll say, breaking news at this hour and it's not breaking it's not a bulletin at all it's nothing but you just gave everybody a a nice glimpse of the mind of the sports department of every newsroom i don't know it wasn't sports is what you said Uh, yeah because the world revolves around the sports department no i remember i was no my job was to do the sports what yes. they did with the, with the passing and you didn't of care Hubert about Humphrey. the rest of the world. At no, all. I care. But no, it was but their difficult. job as the yes. news people. You handle Hubert Humphrey. Yes. I'll handle if the you know Iowa Hawkeyes basketball team. I was working in Cedar Rapids, yes. Iowa. If they won tonight, yes. yeah, because that's that's, a, cr- that's critical. I didn't say that doing sports was important. Now you reminded I said it was me. my job. You reminded me. Calm of down. Time. When I was working, calm down. And I'll give you a, the classic case of, you of a sports it. guy. Of a sports guy. Mm-hmm. I was in the newsroom on the day that the Pope was shot. The Pope was shot. Do you remember that as a story? Sure, sure, I do. And uh, everything, you know, immediately went into frantic reaction to that. I remember our sports guy coming into the newsroom with a fistful of script and asking, how much time will I have? <laughs> uh, you're not you're not cutting sports, are you? And everybody looked at him and said, do you realize what just happened? <laughs> right. No, I got to get that silly score in. Well, now you're painting me as being out of touch with with what's going on in the rest of the world. All no, I'm, I'm just telling was, you. I'm telling you and everybody else that, that that's typical sports department sort of uh, you, that's how relevant and how important they think their message is. And right, that's but that's, no, but that's you're throwing, always you're, funny you're, you're right. You're right about that. That is typical, but you're throwing me into that bucket. I always had a perspective of what was going on in the rest of the world and and the importance, and where all of this fit well, in. every department in a newsroom is like that. I remember our dear friend Harry Volkman, who was a veteran, a longtime weatherman at CBS in Chicago yeah. and other places, said that one of the anchors had told him, Harry, always remember that news is sometimes weather. But weather is never news. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like that movie Anchorman, really. You know, where every person in a newsroom thinks that what they're dealing with is more important than the other. Well, you the know, reason sports is sports is more important than weather. No, weather's more important than sports. No, my Anchorman stuff is more important than both of you. The reason that we got, you know, protective of our areas in weather and sports working in local news is because the news people, even when there was nothing going on that day and it was really slow in news, they're, they think that they're, the 
trivial crap that they put on the air is more important. So they would always take time away from from weather and sports. Well, we did have something that we thought was, you know, important when it fit into the half hour of news that day. Sure, sure. So their perspective was off. I understand when the Pope gets shot or when something, you know, is going on. I get it. Take my time. Right. You know? Yes. And you Um, should because uh, that's world affecting news. Uh, Getting back to these famous people that die and where you were, yeah. I got one for you that's kind of obscure. Do you remember Adlai Stevenson? Adlai sure. Stevenson. From Illinois? Ran, from Illinois, ran for the presidency. Uh, probably uh, was running for president in the early 60s. Was was vying for office when Kennedy was and wanted to be a yeah. president on the Democratic ticket. Yeah. It was a hot Ju- July day in 1965. And I'm out in the street playing ball, and it was hot, hot. And we're playing, we called it half ball, but it was stick ball, where you cut a ball in half, a rubber ball, and you play it uh, in the street. And my aunt yelled my name from uh, all the way down near the corner, because we lived near the corner. We were playing ball up in the middle of the block. Steve, Steve. Come in immediately. Come in now. You're going to get heat stroke. And I'm saying, what? Heat stroke. Adlai Stevenson just collapsed in (laughs) Europe or wherever he was. And I'll never forget that as a, I must have been about 14 or something like that. And Adlai Stevenson, who I, it didn't mean anything to me. Yeah. But I will always remember where I was and the circumstances of his death and and why it was so important for for me at the time. And now you think get in, fun. get in this house. Get in this house. Uh, <laughs> it's a hundred it was uh, the heat index might have been like a hundred and five. We didn't care. We would just play on. It always comes back to weather. She scared <laughs> that's right. She scared me to death with that. Get in now. Get in. Get in. Adley Stevenson just collapsed. And I'm like, who was that? Get in and find out. Yeah, you're a kid in Philadelphia, and you got you're 14 years old. You got no idea who Adelaide Stevenson no, is. No, but I but I will for but I will forever. Yeah, yeah which well, is just an an odd connection to to think of. But I'm thinking about things like that during the pandemic, all sorts of observations and remembrances. Yeah, and you, some of them very weird. You mentioned that uh, he ran against. I don't know if it was for the nomination against Kennedy or it was back in that era. Um, let's let's come back to that. After Please don't break. come back to that. <laughs> no, let's let's come back to let's back come to back. that and more and more dull remembrance. Let's it's come back to our encounter with JFK Jr. Oh, okay. At the East Bank Club. You'll remember that very well, too. We'll be right back. On this week's Free Kicks with Adam and Rick, we discuss the final week of the Premier League season. We'll talk about the winners and we'll talk about the losers. Top four, bottom three. So listen to Free Kicks on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits. 
Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, our replay visit continues on part two of our special Corvette C8 episode, as only the Car Guys Report can do. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me, Lou Costable, and our man in the field, Roger Rexroad, as we revisit part two of this very special episode of the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. We are back. This is Back to You with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. Steve, you were you were telling a story about uh, Adlai Stevenson. Uh, uh, was he a senator from Illinois? Was he well, governor? He really, anyway, yeah. he ran for president. He's from yeah. Illinois. He ran for president, and it might have been yeah. um, for the nomination. I think he was a Democrat. He might have run for the nomination. He was a Democrat. Against, yeah, against John F. Kennedy. But see, there are others, too, before you can get back to him. I remember where I was the night Marvin Gaye died. Huh. I was on my I was on my way in the car. I used to drive from Delaware to New York on because we were living in Delaware for a short period of time. And I was working in New York and I'd come home on the weekend and then drive back to New York to start the work week. And I would do that for a while for you know, maybe a month or two before we all settled down in the New York area. But, and, and I would hear things like that um, in the, in the darkness of the night. And it must've been around midnight or one in the morning as I'm driving into New York. And I hear Marvin Gaye has died. And, and then after that, all the Marvin Gaye songs that you could remember were played on the radio. And it was a real uh, memorable trip, road trip, you know, revolving around this musical icon, and I'll never forget that. And I, I and I'll never forget. I was also driving like that when Jack Buck was it or one of those guys. Yeah. I can't believe what I just saw. I can't believe what I just saw. Jack I was, Buck I was, was listening the, to it. Uh, the announcer for the St. Louis Cardinals for years and years. I was listening to a World Series game, which is an old man thing to do now. But listening to the game on the, on the radio, radio yeah. all the way to New York, and I just remember Jack Buck's voice uh, with that, and, and it was mesmerizing. I felt like I was there. Some guys were so good at giving you the color of the game, and he was really special. He was. And then there is his son, Joe Buck. Yeah. And Who I does to be critical, but uh, I'm in that camp that can't stand him. And he's a good announcer, but yeah. there's something about him that uh, he comes across kind of pompous to me, and he might not be. Yeah, it just strikes you that way. And I, I don't. I have a little of that feeling about him. Maybe it's because he's he dips and dabs in, in all sorts of sports. Yeah, well, you know, and he's true. and he's pretty polished. Polished. Yeah. A lot of the guys like his father and others to me weren't necessarily polished. They just seemed like guys who loved the game and were baseball announcers. Right. Yes. Oh, and, yeah. Well, I mean, and it, Harry, made the, Harry, it made them, yeah. He's the best he was example another. of that. I mean, he yeah. he he was polished. Uh, I heard tapes of him when he was really young. I mean, he was a real polished announcer. But later on, he was just, <laughs> he was bigger than the game. He was like, the hell with it. And yeah. uh, he did he did his bit. All right, JFK Jr. So Steve and I would work at Channel 2. We'd do the early newscast, and then 
go get a bite to eat uh, over at the health club that we belong to. Uh, the East Bank. Not, not, ne- not necessarily healthy food, but the, at the health club. No, and not necessarily belong to it in a in a sense that we paid for it, <laughs> or, wor- or or worked out, or worked lot. out. Well, we yeah. did work out there, but uh, anyway, we'd go over. They had two restaurants in it, so there was a casual one, so you could go get a bite to eat. So we're in there one night about seven o'clock, seven fifteen, and I had my back to the steps where the people would come up to walk in to the hostess host station to get a bite to eat and you just looked at me real casually and said (laughs) hey you know who that is and i turned around and i said yeah kennedy casually (laughs) and it happened to be john f kennedy jr which you know there's a person that you know, because of who his father was. But, I mean, JFK Jr. was one of the most famous people in the country, like his dad was. And those of us that are of that age have that memory of him saluting his yes. father's casket. Iconic yeah. piece of video when when JFK Sr. was uh, assassinated. Anyway, here he was at the East Bank Club. So do you remember our conversation after that, what was going on? Well, the, we were deliberating on whether to let the newsroom know that they could run over there with a cameraman and stick it in his face. Yes. Now, now, but, uh, and I would not be prone to do that. And I don't know whether I made the, the wisest of decisions because it was, he just looked like, hey, I'm here to meet whoever I'm to meet. And, and I just want to be relaxed. And I yeah. sort of appreciated that. And we both made the decision to let him be. Yeah, he was dressed casually, and I remember who he went to meet because he walked over. We were probably the only two in the restaurant, and then there were he and uh, who he was going to meet. He was going to meet his cousin, William Kennedy Smith. Yes. And this was back during the Democratic National Convention was in Chicago in 96. So JFK Jr. was a big deal then, was getting a lot of attention because he was launching uh, this glossy magazine, George. George, yes. yes. So so we did have a debate. So we're getting back to our discussion. Of, well, I do sports. I do weather. <laughs> He's news. So we leave it alone. <laughs> but, uh, you know, paparazzi and news stations were trying to find him and see what, was, see what he was doing around town. Here we were, you know, in the presence of him or he was in the presence of us. And do we call like in? That. Yeah, do we get a camera to come over here? Well, we knew that if we called, they would send the camera. They couldn't come in. The East Bank Club wouldn't let the, the camera come in, but they would have waited outside and would have expected us to go approach him for an interview, right? Which would have been the most annoying thing that you could do. It would have. Because he wasn't there for that. Right. And I immediately felt like, you know what? That's an intrusion that we should leave alone. Yep. Well, because he had been yeah. on TV. It's not like he never gets on TV, and he didn't have his reactions to the times and what were going on. Oh, right. But he wasn't I mean, there for that. No, he wasn't. But in local news, I mean, had we gotten you know a couple of minutes with him that night, it would have been a big deal for that night for CBS Two in Chicago. But you know, the easy thing to do is for us to sit there and say. Nobody else will ever know this, and let him be. 
Yes. Nobody knows what we just witnessed. Nobody knows. And There's something kind of cool about that, too. And Yeah, it is. Uh, there is. And the news director at the time is somebody that uh, we liked. It was Steve. Yes. And Not me, but another guy. Steve Lang. Yes. And Steve would have... Um, we've never told him the story. We were good friends with him. Still are. And... He would have gone nuts. He would have. Like, <laughs> yeah, he might have had a what fit. Are you, what are you thinking? <laughs> what are you thinking? Uh, and and as I've I've thought about it once in a while, you know, if they'd have sent a camera over, because he was trying to publicize George Magazine, and because when we walked out, oh, there's another part of it. We walked outside. I don't know if you remember. We were going to get in our car or whatever, or take a cab. And he was standing out there ready to leave at the same time. And if they had sent a camera, he probably would have done an interview for a couple minutes. Maybe so. But here's the thing. But uh, what, what difference I'm in, would what it I'm in, now? No, but... To us. Or, or then, really. Or then. Uh, because he would have given some pat answer, maybe. Oh, who knows what that would have been. But I'm all for uh, leaving people. I've been in other situations where somebody famous has been near me. And uh, they were enjoying whatever moment of peace they could have. Uh, and, and I just left them alone. I, I don't think I, 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 it wouldn't be something I'd want. Just leave people be at times. I, I'm just thinking from their point of view. There are, other, there are times when you should just be left alone. Well, sure. I mean, here's one of the guys, like I said, it's one of the you know iconic names in the history of the country. Uh, one of the fam- most famous people on the planet at that time and here it was he walked up into this restaurant unnoticed except by us and uh you know he had a moment of peace and who were we to interrupt it well just let him enjoy it let him enjoy life there's another person who's not nearly as famous and had grown older and wasn't really a public figure like uh john jr was but it was one of my idols and I had met him before, years earlier, and he had autographed a picture, and he signed it, Steve, whether you know it or not, you're a tops. And it's one of my favorite pictures. And the guy was Soupy Sales. Oh. <laughs> now, Soupy Sales was at that same club eating with a few of his friends. And... I didn't even go over to say, hi, Soupy, remember me, or anything like that. I just appreciated the fact that I saw him, that he seemed like he was having fun with his little group of friends, and they weren't famous guys. They were just guys. And I left it alone. I just think people deserve moments that are more private than what we want to make. They do. Uh, The thing that has changed now is that in both those cases, like with JFK Jr. and with Soupy Sales, um, we probably wouldn't have left it alone had we had these phones that had cameras, and no. you know we could uh, record it. You know, because we would, you would ask for a picture. There's sometimes no question. it could get ugly. Sometimes it has the potential for being ugly. Sure. I remember in that same health club. I've had a, a uh, for a long time, I would have a trainer because I don't have any discipline to do any workout on my own. So from time to time, I'd have trainers. And this was one of those periods when I was on the wagon and working out with the trainer. 
And it just so happened that the person ahead of me whose training session was ending was a famous actress at the time. And I came in as, and I walked up to her and her trainer, who was my trainer, at the end of theirs before mine was to start. And it was Joan Cusack. Oh, yeah, from Chicago. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And Joan Cusack. She now, this is just for life. me. She looked at me like, if you say anything to me, <laughs> I will scream and call whatever authority there is to haul you away. She just looked like that. And I'm not saying she's not a nice person. I don't know her. But I just knew to leave her alone, not to make a big deal out of it. Well, not she's to, not but see, famous enough to have that attitude, though, if that was her attitude. I've been in because a situation. there wouldn't have been any ruckus over her being there. Oh, well, Joan Cusack. <laughs> and she's a good actress. I've oh, been in. Did you see who's uh, down there? Joan I was Cusack. A, I've been in a situation where I'm working out in an area and the women are going nuts as they're looking at this person. And I'm wondering, who are you looking at? Who, who's, who's over there? Soupy and I go, over near the, I go over near where the weights are because I'm going to be in that area. And it was Harry Connick Jr. Hmm. Harry Connick Jr. was as cool as it could be, smiling, waving. I, I'm not immediately going to, hey, come over here, because Harry Connick Jr. is in his underwear, yeah. and you can get a nice shot. I, mean, I, I leave people alone. Um, the, now, there was an instance where it all, I, I developed somewhat of a friendship with a person, and it was Garrett Mars. Hmm. who used to be on Saturday Night Live. Yeah, right. We struck up a conversation. There was some mutual friend, and I can't remember who that was at the time, but I ate lunch with him after a workout once. He was so friendly and jovial around that health club. He was in town in I'm Not Rappaport, and he was appearing with Shelly Berman. That's an old name from the past. But... We became so friendly that I did a story on him at another time of while his stay was still in Chicago. He invited me to see his show. I went to see the play, took my wife, met his wife. And it was all very, very, very cool. And he told me some really terrific things about Saturday Night Live. He said there were two people that were in his corner from the beginning that were the real impetus for him to be on the air because he was behind the scenes for a long time. Or maybe he'd get a little bitty role here and there. But he said John Belushi and Gilda Radner were constantly going to Lauren Michaels saying, give him a shot at more stuff. Because I was asking him, who were the, who did you think were the, were the coolest people to be around? And it was not Chevy Chase, who was the star at the time. But it was, and it wasn't um, uh, any, you know, any Dan other. Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. He didn't yeah. say that they were were bad guys, but he said the most helpful for him were Gilda and John Belushi. Yeah, they, they were always the ones pushing went, him. Went to bat for him. Uh, yes. You know, as we go, I'll tell you. I had an encounter at the East Bank Club. Um, as we go, where? As we go into the into the night. Okay, go ahead. Um. One morning I was there and I cut the corner and 
with her personal trainer was Oprah. Really? Yeah. And I had met yeah, Oprah that, before. Yes. You know, yes. because she started out on local TV in Chicago, so Yeah. There's a chance that I had met her. She a chance she knew who I was. But anyway, it was like Was she actually working out when you saw her? Uh no. She was done but looked like she had. <laughs> Yeah, that's not. I'm not saying that in a bad way. <laughs> How but, do you look like you had? <laughs> well, you know, you're kind of sweating, look tired, maybe. But she the way had I look, look right now. Yeah, she had a look on her face like yeah. Joan Cusack may have. Like, <laughs> don't even fucking think about <laughs> saying hi to me. No, don't even say hi. Don't even nod your head well, and acknowledge yeah. me. Yeah, because I will kill you. Well, it gets back to what our level-headedness resulted in. We know that people have a right to have private off-camera time. And that's the reason why we didn't have cameras chasing JFK Jr. down the hall. Yeah. Wow, you called us... Did you call us level-headed? <laughs> yes, because your head is getting kind of level at the top. Uh, because I've got headphones on. <laughs> Oh, is that the reason? Yeah. Okay. All right. You are literally, you are literally level-headed. Uh, I am. <laughs> That's a good note to quit on. Quit? Yeah. We just started this thing. We did. But you know what? We'll now, start see, it up have to realize, next time. People have to realize this is, how, this is how our phone conversations go. Yep. And how do they end usually? Not but well. We just, not well. <laughs> But with me saying, I'm about to do something. And then what do you usually say? You're going to hang it on up. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it, is time, and it is time to hang it up. There's no negotiating at that point. You know when one of us says that, it's time to you know hang it still, up. And we but, hang here's it. What, but here's what still pisses me off about you. <laughs> <laughs> and people know you have people like this in your life. Howard will repeatedly say something to you like, uh, I got to go. Let me call you right back. <laughs> and you go, okay. And then you hear from him maybe two days later. <laughs> I don't understand that. You do that much more than I do. Yeah. Let me call you right back. Let me call you right Let me call. Now call you. Do you do that to other folks? Let me probably, call you right back. Probably. But here's <laughs> you the have thing. no intention of calling right back. Well, all that means is that we have a different view of what right back is. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then uh, a month and a half later, you, you come back. Uh, yeah. Well, that's that's the way it goes. That's one of the things that piss, pisses you off about me. I want everybody listening now to when this is over, just call somebody you know and have a five-minute conversation with them and then suddenly say, oh, wait a minute, I, I got to do something. Let me call you right back. <laughs> or say... And, and then call the person back maybe next week. Yeah, or say, guess what I got to do now? Hang it on up. Hang it on up. That's what we're doing now is hanging this thing up. Special <laughs> thanks to our executive producer, Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is hippo backwards, O-P-P-I-H shows.com. And we are distributed by Ed Silla with Radio Misfits. You know what they say, Steve? Let me call you right back. <laughs> Great talk radio. <laughs> it, 
isn't dead by any means. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. You know what I got to do? 12 minutes ago, if this was over, and you're continuing to talk. I got to hang it on up. Until the next time. I'll call you right back. (laughs) (laughs) See ya. Thanks for listening. Bye. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opi Productions. Tony, can you shut up? On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Talk dirty to me, Siri. Bees in my walls. A psychiatrist named Jenkins. My brush with a Hollywood A-list star from years gone by. Listen to Minutia <laughs> Men on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. Podcasting from Chicago, an Opie production for the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Lasano and Friends. When the guests receive a questionnaire, there's a bunch of questions on there. One now has been added this season is... What pronoun would you like to be known as? Totally. I have like non-binary friends and I'll find myself saying the word man and I'm like, I'm not even using it as like a pronoun. Right. It's yeah. just a filler word. Right. And I know that it means so much more to them, so I'm trying to like force it out. Right. But it's right. so embedded. It's like a pronoun I've yeah. used yeah. since I was a yeah. kid. Yeah. And I still fall back on it just being like, oh, hey man, what's going on? You know what I mean? To anybody. Yeah. Woman, man, yeah. trans, anybody. Yeah. And I always feel terrible yeah. about it no matter who I'm talking to because it's a stupid thing to say. <laughs> it's like a crutch. I've been like a South thing. And but I mean, the South thing would be better because you can just say y'all and then you're done. <laughs> that covers everybody. No, that's, I just use y'all. Maybe the South is more progressive than we <laughs> yeah. are and we need to give them more sure. credit than they sure. get. Absolutely. Y'all is the best gender neutral pronoun. <laughs> it really is. It hits the singular. Yep. It hits the plural. plural. Yep. It yeah. hits everybody. Yep. <laughs> and it's got a little bit of character, too, because it's like, howdy, y'all. How you doing? Yeah. It's bipartisan. We're yeah. across the yeah. aisle. We have solved sexism <laughs> in this it. country. Now racisms. Maybe not the word y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure to tell a friend about Lasano and Friends, which is available online at radiomisfits.com. Follow Lasano Friends on Twitter. Radiomisfits.com is this over? Yes.